book review time. Today, I have an interesting one for you, one I thoroughly enjoyed. It is Homer's The Iliad, a very classic ancient Greek text. And this book was written sometime in the 8th century BC. So, it is very, very old. That is getting to, what, 2,800 years old now. And it's a, yeah, an, ep- an epic poem. And so, an epic poem is basically just a poem that is a large narrative type poem. And so, this book is written in, I guess, chapters as you would, could could consider in the normal context. And it, it just sort of flows throughout. Uh, the one that I'm reading, the Penguin Classics version, has a summary of each of the events in each uh, chapter, which actually makes it quite easy to to read as well if you want to go through it um, like in a more methodical, slow manner uh, because there are lots of characters and lots of little details involved here and there. It is uh, of the Greeks uh, versus, versus the Trojans in the Trojan War outside of Ilium. So, the Greeks are basically trying to take the city of Ilium and the Trojans are obviously defending it. It's one of Mary's stories relating to this whole period. And so, Homer, or it was supposedly written by Homer. No one knows exactly 100% sure who the author was. But there are many, many stories relating to this. And so, some of the things that we know from the Trojan War are obvious, obviously like the Trojan horse and um, Achilles' heel, where Achilles, the main character, uh, gets shot in the foot by Paris and dies. That's not in this, in the Iliad, but is in associated other works such as uh, Virgil's The Aeneid and even referenced in Homer's other work, The Odyssey. So, what is the main focus of the book? I guess it's just the war and how the two sides interact with each other with the help of the gods and the way the gods interact with them. I'm not going to go through the full plot because it is a fairly extensive book. This got up to 400 and yeah, about 400 and something pages. And yeah, there's so many characters, there's so many things happen that it's, it's not really worth going into. So if you want the basic synopsis plot, go online, look wherever it is that you, you're interested in that. So, some of the themes of the book, the first is obviously the honor, the glory of battle. And this is definitely in a time where I guess people were more connected to their their savagery, their, their roots in a sense. And this is yeah, just common throughout the book, the, the glory that can be attained, the types of people, the characters, who they are. So much of it is focused on how well they do battle and what type of person they are in, in battle situations. So, all of the heroes are basically all of the people who fight the best, who are the most renowned, who are the most fearless, the most courageous. And uh, this does mix in, I guess, with some of the negative aspects as well. So, they talk about the death and the sorrow. So, Achilles in particular, you see when his, I guess, father figure dies, um, Patroclus is his name, something like that. He undergoes a huge mourning period. He spends a lot of time caring after the body, making sure the funeral is done correctly, wreaking his vengeance as well on, on the other side. And yeah, the, the, it's not all fun and games, I suppose. There is, there is, while there is the glory of, of killing a strong opponent, of, of beating the other side, there is also the, the cowardice and terror when you're running away from your opponent. There's the trickery, the backstabbing, all of these sort of negative aspects that also go along with it. So, 
I guess the book, while nice in that it shows the good points, also shows the bad points as well. Uh, at times, it also gets into the downright silly. So, there's particular instances where the fighters are, before they're fighting each other, they'll taunt each other. And so, it's almost like they're on a two sides of an invisible wall or something and just shouting like these absolute ridiculous insults at each other, uh, insulting their father's fathers and... Um, you know, calling them women and, and things like that. And it, it, it just gets very silly at times. So it's, it's kind of fun in a, in a way. So um, there's also a particular instance, I'll read you from this bit, where basically Hector, the, the great fighter on the Trojan side, is versing Ajax, one of the, um, the, the long-haired Greeks. And so they're just about to, to finish fighting and <laughs> it goes into the, they're in this duel they throw their spears, they start preparing to advance at each other's with swords and some of their other um, teammates on either side jump in and, and stop them from fighting and, and this is their reasons for stopping it. Yeah. Dear sons, give up now and break off the fight. Cloud Gatherer Zeus holds you both dear and you are both fine spearmen. We all of us know that. Also, it is nearly dark. It is sensible to take that into account. So, they're just using like the excuse of like, oh, you know what, clocking in, five o'clock in the afternoon. Ah, you know what, I don't think I'll kill this dude now. Let's let's save it for another day. <laughs> it just gets silly at points. So, um, yeah, I really enjoyed that that sort of aspect. I wasn't expecting that from, I guess, such an ancient work where I would have moments where I'd just be laughing out loud at, at like how what's going on and what the characters are doing. Some of the other themes, the unpredictability, un- unpredictability of the gods. And so... In many instances in the book, not only do the men beg, supplicate to the gods and the gods will respond in a sort of obscure manner, but they're very fickle and change their minds so easily. You see this with Zeus, you see this with Poseidon, you see them with others where they'll be supporting one side and then they'll switch over to the other side and then they'll do something again because for whatever reason, it seems like there's no rhyme or reason. And I think that actually plays a part into why there was such a mythology of the gods. We're we're talking a time where there is no understanding of what an earthquake is. There is no understanding of how lightning and storms are formed. And when you're in that sort of situation and, and things like that happen, when a mysterious illness comes and you have no idea of what germs are or, or anything like that, I think there is a, a very strong appeal to creating different characters and trying to explain the world in this way when you have no knowledge of of the scientific method and how powerful that is in in discovering things of the world so that sort of made sense to me why there is such a strong mythology and why the gods are so fickle and do different things it's because they're basically replicating what is happening in the world there's a very char- varying characteristics of the actual heroes as well. There's no one archetypal hero in this book of of this is how you should behave as a hero and this is what a hero is. Achilles has these tremendous moments of rage, of pettiness, of of grief and sorrow. Hector is arrogant. The I suppose like the 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 hero on the the main hero on the Trojan side. Paris is a sort of like flirty lady boy just. Um, princess type mentality where everything that 
is happening around the world. It doesn't really matter to him because he's so beautiful and handsome and, and whatnot. Some of the others on the Greek side are just straight up brute strength, almost dumb characters who just fight for the, the glory and whatnot. So there's a, yeah, a lot of varying characteristics and you can't just point at one thing and say, this is what a hero is. It's, it's a lot of different things. And so even if you have some negative aspects, you could still be a hero in, in some of these cases. The main thing was, I guess, how you behaved in battle and how you behaved out of battle, how you behaved as a person. So that was a interesting little insight for me. There's also the savage capacity of humans. And in this particular case, particularly of, of men, the, there is not a lot of, I guess, introspection of, of these characters. They are conforming to what their emotions come up with them. At times, they'll be able to restrain themselves, but it seems for the most part, they just let themselves loose and uh, might makes right. The strong are the ones who succeed and prosper. Even if you have great morals, even if you have, even if you have great, I guess, intellect and understanding and whatnot, that doesn't necessarily correlate to having a good outcome in, in this era. And, you know, that's, I guess, part of human history and it's, it's um, useful to acknowledge that as well. Some of my own personal observations. I'm going to give you a, another quote from the book, which encapsulates a lot of the interesting things that that happen, and I guess the style of of the writing of Homer and uh, some yeah unique observations that that were there. So this is from page 44. Nastus led the Carians who do not speak Greek. They lived in Miletus, thickly wooded Mount Thyrus. The, steam, the streams of Meander and Mycali with its steep peak. These were the men who Amphimachus and Nastes brought. Nastes and Amphimachus, the splendid sons of Nomion. Amphimachus went into back, battle decked in, a, in gold like a girl. The fool! Not that it saved him from an ugly end. He fell to swift-footed Achilles there in the riverbed and warlike Achilles made off with the gold. <laughs> there's a couple of things from that which were very typical of the writing style which i did not know of beforehand and now i have some direct experience one is the continuous naming they absolutely love names so you will hear of achilles father and his father's father and his son's cousin's goat they just go on and on about the names and this is very fairly typical of of ancient texts think of the bible with Jehovah, the son of blah, 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 the son of blah, blah, blah. And it just goes on and on. And I was thinking this might actually be related to the capacity for memory. So in the Gulag Archipelago, when Alexander Solzhenitsyn didn't have anything to do, he had nothing to occupy him other than the menial forced labor. He spent his mind into remembering things and he claimed he could remember up to like 20,000 sentences or phrases or words something like that just with pure memory alone and this might be why there's a lot of the namings in this book is because it was a way of remembering the past when the written text was not decipherable to very many people it was you know a very select few um, well-educated people and it was sort of guarded as a secret you know how to write and read that's that's something very very powerful it could also be, uh, yeah, I guess more in those times where it was important, where if you've got a, a town of 20,000 people, you know, it kind of is important to know 
okay, this guy here, I know who that is because he's the son of this guy who is this guy's cousin or whatever. And so it was probably important to know the heritage and lineage of different people, which is why it does get repeated in the book ad nauseum, which, you know, you, you sort of skip over those parts, you read them, but you don't really fully take it in. It is uh, also ruthlessly patriarchal and very masculine. So if you get triggered at all, this is not the book to read for you. The women play a very, very side note in all of this. They are more the objects of lust and beauty. They are of refinement, um, but they're not independent. They're not, they don't have many redeeming aspects in this book. They're, they're more there for the wailing and the sorrowing once their husband or dad or father gets killed. Uh, very many aspects are made unfavorably, especially in battle context to to being a woman, behaving like a woman. So, yeah, what can I say? It's, that's that's how it is and that's what the, the book portrays um, a lot of. It's very creative with the adjectives and descriptions as well. So, in that passage I read you, you heard swift-footed Achilles, warlike Achilles, godlike Achilles and basically all of the characters throughout the book, even if they're very, very side note characters and they get killed instantly, they'll still have some sort of adjective describing them, which is just, yeah, just part of the style. And I found it quite enjoyable, to be honest. It was, you know, the mighty Hector, the glorious blah, 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 warlike Ares, godlike. Um, and they'd use these very often and quite varied as well. It wasn't just the same ones repeated all the time. They they threw in some, you know, unique, interesting ones, um, sicker-wielding, blah, blah, blah. So you get like a full, I guess, just an extra descriptive, which, um, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't use in normal speech nowadays. I don't call my friends, you know, um, beautiful, blah, 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 or um, well-endowed, blah, blah, blah. Although, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that'd be a fun thing to start trying. So uh, my favorites in particular were of the women. And so... <laughs> Uh, as you can imagine, it was pretty much all based on their uh, physical appearance. There wasn't much of their deep um, intellect or of their whatever it is. So, of other redeeming aspects that, uh, you know, women have in general. So, uh, they were called Oxide, Oxide Hera or Slim Ankled um, Mesophies or whatever. And my favorite, Well Girdled, Well Girdled uh, Gertrude or <laughs> whatever. And the funny thing was that was when in one instance they were comparing un, a woman unfavorably, she was either like wild, uh, mild girdled or um, undergirdled. <laughs> it was just, it was just absolutely brutal. Um, but I found it pretty funny. So, what can I say? What can I say? The last observation is just the brutal descriptions of the death and carnage. They go into excruciating detail of how Achilles will throw his spear point into um, Diophanes' eyeball. The eyeball explodes and the back of his head erupts in a sea of blood. And they get killed in every manner possible. They get disemboweled, they get legs cut off, arms cut off. Um, rocks thrown at them, crushed, what, whatever name it, whatever method of death there is, that is how they died. And uh, they go into it quite deeply, I guess, like more than you'd expect. But there's a little bit of, I guess, toning down in the sense that it, it, it doesn't feel like overkill. It doesn't feel like gore. Uh, and it sort of feels a little bit detached. So that was, that was just an interesting uh, aspect of, of the book of how, 
it was written, even though it had, you know, very numerous horrible things happening to characters, it was sort of, I guess, almost like treated in a trivial manner where, or perhaps I just got desensitized after the 50th death and was like, you know what? Okay. Diophanes dies. Okay. I can handle that, you know? So that was just a, I guess, my impressions of the book. The In summary, it's very easy to read and understand. I thought it would be difficult, such as some of the old English texts I've read, like the Wealth of Nations or, or things like that. Henry David Thoreau's Walden is extremely, extremely difficult to read. But this was, considering it was written 2,800 years ago, and obviously with the translations, it's uh, into English. They probably made it a little bit more amenable for, for us mere mortals to understand. But it was, uh, yeah, surprisingly easy to read. I, I got through it without needing the additional notes that were uh, in inside of the book to help understand the story. So, and it was just fun. I, I just, I was so blown away. I thought this would be like a deep philosophical text or, you know, a real hard-hitting story or whatnot. But I just enjoyed lots of parts of it. And it, it um, yeah, it spoke to me away. So, I'm giving it a solid 7 out of 10. Homer's The Iliad. What's something pragmatic I'm going to take from this? I want to investigate more into old and ancient stories. Although I somewhat knew of the characters and themes of this book, I really didn't know that much about it. And so, I feel I've got a deeper understanding now. I've always been intrigued by Greek mythology. One of my favorite games, um, video games as a child was God of War and that series. It was, yeah, I just enjoyed the aspect, the storyline, the characters there's something unique to them and, and special. So, I definitely want to read not only more of ancient Greek mythology, but other characters that I somewhat know, but not really. Uh, Rip, Went, Rip Van Winkle is one of these. Um, and yeah, more of the ancient Norse uh, mythology, such as of, of Odin, of um, Thor, of, of those sorts of characters. So, that's one of my things I'm going to do probably next year when I've got a bit more time. I'll uh, read into more books like that. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed. If you've got any comments, if you want to know more about it, uh, leave a comment in the YouTube. If you're listening via audio, give it a can't give it a like there. I guess you can give it um, give it a thumbs up in your in your home, and hopefully that'll transfer to me. Zeus Almighty will impart it into me in my dreams. So that's it for today. Hope you enjoyed. Kyron, out. <laughs>